Welcome to The Productivity Show, the Asian efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. This episode is all about weird things that we do every single day to help us be more productive. Tan and I share several tips that we've discovered along the way to solving things that drive us crazy, and the dojo chimes in as well with several tips that our awesome dojo community members use to help them focus on the things that really matter. We share 15 of our favorite productivity tips, plus the overall philosophy to help you figure out what problems are worth solving in your own life. You can find links to everything that we discuss in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 165. And now, on with the show. All right, so today we've got a little bit different episode. We're crowdsourcing this episode in essence because this was a, a, a dojo thread that was inspired on random productivity tips that work for me. And so we're going to go through 15 of, of our favorites, including a couple from myself and my co-host for today's episode, which is Tan. So welcome welcome back to the podcast, Tan. Feels like it's been a while since we recorded together. Yeah, it's good to be back, buddy. How's life? It's good. It's good. I'm really excited to talk about some of these these uh, weird productivity tips. These are the kinds of things that I think people really enjoy. Uh, but they're also a caveat here. These are the, the name of the thread here is random productivity tips that work for me. So <laughs> you can go ahead and try these. Maybe some of these will blow your mind. But I, I would just want to throw it out there right at the beginning that these are not going to work for everybody probably. But just kind of listen to these. And also, uh, if you're listening to this live, we want to know some of your favorite productivity tips that work for you in the uh, the Slack channel. But I just take that with a grain of salt and feel free to, to try these out. Uh, I know, Tan, you've got some here. And, and actually, even before that, uh, you want to explain a little bit about uh, the, the the story that you've got here and how everyone kind of has their own take on productivity and why it's such a personal thing? Yeah. So as you mentioned before, this whole podcast episode is inspired by a forum that we have in the dojo, our private community and uh, training library. And I actually started this topic because, one, I noticed that everybody has their own take on productivity. If you look in the landscape of productivity, everybody has their own unusual things that they do of how they plan their week and their calendar put together and like their to-do list apps and, and all that stuff. And I was actually at a mastermind not too long ago where... If you're unfamiliar with how a mastermind works, it's basically you're sitting in a room with a bunch of smart people and somebody gets in the middle of the room and kind of shares their opportunity or their biggest problem or challenges that they have. And then everybody in the room gives advice and uh, tips for how to address it. And so what happens is oftentimes, is like, you know, people come up with really great ideas and there's a lot of group think going on. But at this particular mastermind, a lot of people were very quiet. A lot of people were very reserved. And it wasn't until somebody spoke up and started sharing some of their productivity strategies for a problem that somebody was dealing with. And then all of a sudden, everybody started to raise their hand to give their own take on like, oh, this is how I set up my morning routine and this is how I plan my week and this is how I get my writing done. And everybody has their own flavor when it comes to productivity. And I see this over and over and over again, even in you know our own Slack channel in the forum, um, in amongst our own team members, like everybody has their own take on it. And so I thought it would be interesting to share some of the weird things that we do that make us more productive and also share some of the best tips that we have curated from our own community because everybody has a lot of ideas, a lot of different f- funny things as well that they do that helps them be more productive. Yeah, I, I love the analogy that you used of everybody's got their own flavor. And really, that's where the dojo in particular, I think there's so much value here is because you don't need to have studied this stuff for years and be an expert in order to stumble upon something that saves you hours per week. And then the joy that you get out of sharing that and also seeing how it can positively impact other people, like that can be really uplifting, that can be really encouraging, and then also vice versa. You can get a lot of feedback and you can get a lot of ideas from other people instead of having to reinvent that wheel all the time. Exactly, and there's so many things in there that I just never knew that I learned from other people. Like there's so many things that I've learned that we're gonna be talking about today that I had no idea about that I could totally use. And I hope 
one of the things you will take away listening to this is that there's a couple of things that you've never thought of, but they're just genius. And I hope you'll just like implement at least one of them today. <laughs> All right. So let's get into them. We want to talk about uh, some of your unusual productivity tips. I know you've got three and I've got three before we get into the rest. So do you, how do you want to do this? Do you want to give all three of yours and then I'll give mine or do you want to kind of do it round robin, go back and forth? Uh, let's do a round robin. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. So okay, my first one is have a oversupply of Apple cables or chargers. So I at, in my place, I have literally like, I don't know, six, seven cables just to charge my iPad or iPhone. And there's never a shortage of cables around my place. And everybody's going to be like, oh, but Tana's a minimalist luxury. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, this is the one exception that I make when it comes to <laughs> minimalist luxury. And it's, I literally have an iPhone cable next to my bed, in the bathroom, on uh, the kitchen uh, table, um, in my living room, on my desk, like, everywhere like anywhere i need to charge my phone it's there and so when i have people coming over one they find it easy to charge their phones and it's always one of the first things they ask me is hey can i <laughs> charge my phone <laughs> and also it just makes it really convenient just to not think about like oh i need to go all the way there to charge my phone so it's just one of those little things that makes it so much easier and if you're thinking, oh, well, aren't these cables really expensive? Well, if you buy a Apple certified cable from a third party, they're usually pretty cheap. So I get mine from Amazon. So I'll add the link in the show notes that you can just get. So you can get a six feet cable for like less than 10 bucks. And if you buy like the Apple official cable, that's I believe like $30 or something for a really short one. So, you know, I'd say go for it. Like don't even think about this, just buy it and you'll thank me later. Yeah, this is one of the things that I picked up from you. Not specifically the the overload of Apple charging cables, although I definitely I definitely am in that camp as well. I bought an extra MacBook charger, even though it's really expensive, just so that I could leave one in my backpack so I always have one with me and I never have to worry about my battery dying and, oh, I forgot my power cable at home. But the thing that I got from you was the longer cables. I thought this was just completely a waste of money until I got a longer cable myself. And it is awesome. I will never go back to those, those short cables again. <laughs> it's just so much easier. All right, so you have the six feet now? I do. Yep. You've converted me. Yeah. Those are awesome, dude. Like I have one next to my couch and so I'll just lay there on the couch and just charge my phone at the same time and not like worry about like, Oh, is it, is it too short? Can I reach my phone? It's like, no, it's just right there. I can grab it. And it's like so convenient. So it's just one of those little things that will make a big difference. <laughs> nice. All right. So my first unusual productivity tip is to skip breakfast. <laughs> now this is an, the idea of intermittent fasting, which has kind of been uh, pretty popular in the productivity space in recent years. And I kind of stumbled on this and I've always thought that breakfast was one of the most important meals of the day, but I've also not ever felt like eating breakfast before I would go out and start my day. So when I discovered this whole idea of intermittent fasting, where you basically squeeze all the meals that you're going to eat in a day in a small window, like typically I think it's eight hours. Uh, what that means is that I don't eat breakfast, but I'll eat lunch and then I'll, I'll eat dinner. Uh, and then I won't eat again until lunch the next day. I was a little bit scared to, to try this, but when I came across this idea, I was like, well, I, I never really like eating breakfast anyways. I have to force myself to choke down a cliff bar or whatever, because I, I need to eat breakfast, whatever. Uh, and so I just started doing this. And what I noticed was that I was way more focused. I was way more energized and I was way more productive at the beginning of the day, which is honestly, when I try to do a lot of my deep work stuff anyways, I found that I was much more efficient and just the quality of what I was writing or what I was creating when it came to videos and things like that just was much, much higher. By the time lunch rolled around, I was really hungry, <laughs> uh, but the productivity benefits were huge for me. And I don't understand all of the science behind this. So I, I should, I should mention that up, up front. This is something that I tried and it worked for me, but if you're a little bit nervous about it, there was actually a podcast that I listened to recently on the art of manliness. And we'll put the, the link in the show notes. Uh, but this is by a health nutritionist who really understands this stuff. And he explains who it might be right for, who it might not be right for. Uh, but this is one of my productivity superhero hacks that 
people just, when I tell people that I, I don't eat breakfast, they're kind of like, what, how, how are you able to do anything? But I find it actually makes my work easier to do. Nice dude. Like I'm glad you, uh, are doing it as well because I've been doing it for, I think maybe last three years or so. And now it's just like, it's, it's a normal part of my life. I don't even think about it as I mean, fascinating. This is just how I work. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Exactly. Yeah. It freaked me out first time I tried it, but yeah, there's no going back. <laughs> And that's why you're always hangry at the end of our sprint meetings. I get it now. I get it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I knew uh, sometimes our meetings go a little bit long, which is right around the time of lunch. So I, I totally get it. And yeah, I, I, I find such a huge productivity saver as well because one, I used to be the person who was really hungry in the morning and I would always eat. I and mean, even my brother today, he's, he looks at me weird when I tell him like, I don't eat breakfast. And he's like, how do you function and operate? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you doing? But, uh, being big old brother, I tell him like, just listen, trust me, you'll be okay. You know, you're going to get better performance <laughs> and, um, actually save a lot of time as well. But what I like the most about it is one, the smaller, uh, window of eating. So I actually try to push it to 18 hour fast as much as possible. And then have a six hour window. Um, and then eat twice a day. So that's the other thing is like eating just twice a day, but with bigger meals, one saves a lot of time in terms of like cooking, preparing, cleaning, and that sort of stuff. And then also too, I just find it easier to manage. So I usually eat around noon and then around like 5.30ish. Um, that's for me at least the sweet spot. But um, yeah, it's like a huge game changer. And all I have in the morning is just a little bit of green tea to get going and uh, and I'm good to go. Yeah, for me, it's not green tea, it's coffee, but. <laughs> well, I'm going to share my second tip here, and that is every Black Friday, I get rid of clothes and anything around my home. So I use this as a time to kind of like declutter because when everybody's zigging, I, I zag. I, I always like that mantra. So when everybody's buying stuff on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, I'm getting rid of stuff. So I'm using that as a way to just remind myself, hey, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I've accumulated over the last year. Let's just get rid of a bunch of stuff that I don't need anymore. And there's always stuff. Like even just recently, I bought like a t-shirt that I really liked in the moment. And now now that it's in my closet, I'm like, I'm, not, I'm never going to wear this. Like it was a really good deal, but I'm never going to wear this. So I need to get rid of this at some point anyway. So there's a lot of stuff that I have accumulated over the last 12 months that are, I'm definitely going to get rid of. And I'd rather donate this or give it to somebody who's actually going to use it. So when everybody's buying stuff, I just like to remind myself to say, okay, let's just get rid of some stuff here. Nice. I like that. And uh, kind of teaser for later on in the episode, I know that a couple of our dojo members have have uh, additional tips that they use to be more productive that pertain to their, their clothes and their, their wardrobe as well. But I really, I really like that. that and, and honestly, if you don't, if you're able to completely buck that that trend of consumerism, especially on a day when everybody feels the the FOMO or the FOBO, you know, the fear of the better option, where you don't want to miss out on the sales and things like that, then uh, that's going to go a long way, I would imagine, towards you being contented with what you what you have. Oh, don't get me wrong, I love a good deal, and especially on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, I will look for them if if it's something I know I'm going to get. So. If I knew that the Bose QC35 is is going to be on sale, you bet you I will get one, even if I already had one, <laughs> <laughs> just as a backup. But um, <laughs> you know, if you are somebody who has a lot of clutter around the home, or you're also into this whole consumerism thing, you like to buy stuff, just add a day at least at least once a year just to get rid of stuff as well. And and I just like to use that particular day because it just reminds me to say, hey, you know, consumerism is great. You know, it's fun. But also, you need to get rid of stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on the topic of discounted backup headphones, that leads into my second productivity tip. <laughs> so not directly. Uh, the one that I have on the list is pay for a dedicated locker at the gym, which is an additional $7 a month, I believe. It's, it's pretty inexpensive. But in the locker, I have my workout clothes. I have my shoes. I have socks, all my toiletries and stuff like that. And I also have an extra pair of the Jaybird X2s <laughs> because when I go to the gym, I don't want to have to think about bringing anything with me. 
I cannot even count the number of times that I have gotten to the gym in the past and I've forgotten something. Like I brought my clothes home and I, I washed them and I forgot to throw them back in my bag or my bag didn't even make it in the car. I pulled into the gym parking lot, opened up my trunk and realized that the, the bag wasn't there. So uh, this is a very inexpensive peace of mind for me. And what I find is that it means that I get to the gym a lot more often. It's almost an escape for me now instead of something where I have to manufacture the desire to go because I know that I can just get in my car and go there. And when I get there, everything that I need is going to be there. Dude, that is so genius. That is so genius. I, I really like that one. <laughs> I've never heard you bring this up, but this is genius. I really like this. <laughs> yeah, well, I figured if I'm going to pay for an extra MacBook charger and extra phone chargers and all this other stuff, then I could justify an extra set of headphones. And the Jaybird X2 specifically, uh, I know you've got a pair of these, too, Tan. Uh, and these are kind of, in my opinion, the best uh, Bluetooth wireless headphones for exercise. Like, I've got AirPods and they're great, but I'm not going to go running in my AirPods. Uh, even though they probably wouldn't fall out. And the Jaybirds, at least on, uh, the X2s on, on Amazon, they go on sale fairly frequently. So if you watch Amazon at all or use a service like Camel, 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 I believe, they, they can tell you when something that you, you want to buy is, is on sale. And typically the X2s drop from like 150 bucks to like 80 or $90. And so I just kind of held out for one of those sales and then, and then bought them and, and it's been great. Are you using them for uh, running as well? I am. Yep. So I have a pair at home because I've been doing, a, I mentioned I've been doing a lot of running. I'm training for a, a half marathon, which is kind of crazy because before this summer, I think the longest I ever ran was like three and a half miles. <laughs> uh, so I do a lot of running during the summer when it's nice here in Wisconsin outside, but in the winter I'll, I'll use the, I'll, typically I've used the elliptical, but my plan now is to, to continue to run at the gym. So I've got an extra pair there that I use uh, whenever I, I do anything that's kind of high intensity. Nice, dude. Well, I know you've been working hard on, on the training and then everything, and hopefully uh, we can see you run a marathon soon. <laughs> hopefully. So my third tip is a, <laughs> a weird one as well, but, uh, I got a lot of positive feedback on this when I posted this on the forum. And I said, I have tissue boxes all over my place. And somebody said, yes, that is genius. I do the same thing. And that's when I felt really validated. So uh, <laughs> having tissue boxes in your kitchen, your living room, your bathroom, your bedroom, is just, I don't know what it is, but you just use it for anything and everything. Like whether it's like cleaning a little spot on your table, whether it's like cleaning your nose, whether it's like... I don't know you have some dirt on your hands or something. It's like you just end up using it for everything. And as you start to kind of see and see the layer underneath this, like I'm really lazy. I don't even like to move five feet just to do stuff. Uh, so if I can just like <laughs> stretch my arm and have it with arm's reach, I'm all for it. So whether that's a cable to charge, a tissue, whatever. Um, and you'll see in the next tip as well that uh, and Andrea shared. Um, which I'm not going to reveal just yet, but it's the same thing. Like it's have as many things as you can within arm's length and, uh, it will just make life so much easier. So tissue boxes is just one of those things. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not home enough to really <laughs> make sure that there are tissue boxes all over the place, but I can tell you where all the places that there should be tissue boxes are because <laughs> the few tissue boxes that we do have will typically travel from one, one place to the next. And then you go to grab a tissue and you go to the place where you think they're going to be and they're not there. That's really frustrating. And so <laughs> tissues are really inexpensive and I completely agree with this. I'm going to steal this and actually implement this myself. <laughs> Awesome. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my third one, this is uh, pretty general, but I I'm called it have a productivity circuit. This is an idea that I stole from the Cortex podcast with CPG Gray. And I know that we've talked about this in the Dojo Forum as well. Uh, but what CPG Gray did is he actually had his, uh, his, his work, I don't know if it was his computer, if he was all iPad at that, at that point, but he had his backpack essentially, and he would travel around London and he had these different places that he would go. And he'd basically go to a specific place where he knew he could work. And then he'd work until 
his motivation basically dried up and then he would travel to the next place and he'd sit down and he'd work. And I've found that this same strategy works really well for me. And I don't travel around as much anymore now that my my job situation that I've come full on full time with Asian efficiency has changed. And I've, I've got an office at the co-working space where I'm recording this right now. But, uh, previously what I would do is I would actually go from coffee shop to work to coffee shop to home church, whatever I had to do. Uh, and I would have all of these different places, the library that I would just travel. And I would use that travel time as kind of my, my reset time. And I'd get back into a mental state where I could sit down and I could write, or I could create a video or whatever. And then I found that once I got to that next place on the on the productivity circuit, <laughs> that it was a lot easier to sit down and, and enter into that that state of, of deep work. Uh, and so I think that even though I don't travel around all day, every day anymore, there is a lot of value in just changing up your physical location and having a couple places like that where you know where you can just kind of mix things up, but you can go there and, and you know that when you get there, you're actually going to be able to get work done. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know exactly where you're going to get at every single place and you have like predictability in terms of movements and where you're going to go and what kind of work you're going to get done. Exactly. So I might go to the library, for example, and I might start writing and I know that I can write for an hour and a half, two hours, crank out a bunch of words. And then at that point, I'm going to need to take a little bit of a break. So when I need to take a break, I'm just going to leave <laughs> and I'm going to go to down the street, go to the coffee shop or whatever. Uh, and changing the place like that often just the the amount of time that it would take to travel from one place to the next, that's enough to kind of reset and get ready for the the next Pomodoro, if you will. Mm, I like that. I like that. I, I should do one myself. I kind of have a circuit, but it's mostly just for thinking time. So I just have like different places where I go just to sit down and think and uh, start brainstorming about uh, strategy stuff. But I've never considered it for just working, but that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, it was kind of born out of necessity because I've got a bunch of kids at home and about to have another. So <laughs> uh, working from home hasn't always been uh, productive for me. So it's kind of kind of forced in a sense where I needed to go someplace. I had to find someplace to, to get some work done. Uh, but I don't know. I, I still I still do it occasionally, uh, even throughout my my work day. Uh, I'll at the co-working space that I'm at is in downtown Appleton. So I'll go to, uh, I'll go to the library every once in a while. It's close to the river. I'll go to the river, if, uh, and grab my iPad, do some writing down there, you know, just to, just to mix things up. And it can be uh, it can be a really effective way to, to kind of reset things mentally. So the next step, we're going to get into all the user contributions that we have from people posting on the forums. And uh, we have some of these smartest people on the planet, on the forums there. There's so many like consultants, business owners, like stay-at-home moms, like executives, salespeople. We have like a lot of smart people on there that are posting really cool stuff. And um, we, we we thought, okay, let's, let's curate some of the best and funniest <laughs> contributions that people had here. And the one that we have now is by Andrea. And this is, Mike, this is probably my favorite of the whole list because it's just one hilarious um, but also a lot of people were relating to what she said. So Andrea said, when, when I asked everybody on the forum, hey, what is one weird productivity tip that you have? Or what is something that works for you, but that's kind of weird? And Andrea said, well, I tie a string to the drawer the, scissor, the scissors are kept in, so my husband can't wander off with them. And I thought, <laughs> uh, okay, that's... <laughs> that's a little unusual. And then somebody else, Lori, actually chimed in and she said, a few years ago, I bought six pairs of scissors when they were on sale. I stuck a pair in the drawer in every room in the house, except the bathrooms, which is a mistake. I need some there too. In addition, I bought two pairs that are different from the others, and these are my scissors. If my husband sees these lying about, he will return them to my desk because he knows that, that I'm not able to find a pair of scissors. It's going to be a meltdown moment for me. And I was like, that is hilarious because one, I can totally relate to that. Whenever I need a pair of scissors and I can't find it, it's so frustrating. And so when I first moved to Austin, I have lived in so many different places. Every time I moved, one of the first things I always had to buy was a pair of scissors because you just use it for so many different things, whether that's like opening packages, cutting up food, just, you know, paper, uh, whatever, like you use it for all sorts of stuff. And so 
I can totally relate to her frustration of just making sure that whenever you have a pair of scissors, it's at the right place all the time. It's not wandered all over the house or wherever. Yeah, this is a, a little bit different version of both your Kleenex boxes and your uh, your charging cables. But I think that that principle applies to anything that you need consistently and you need it to be in a certain place. Or you need it to be accessible. If you can if you can uh, implement redundant backups in a sense <laughs> where literally anywhere where you are, you, you know exactly where to get one of those things like that, that could be a huge time saver. Yeah. Now I have three pairs of scissors and I, you've been to my place. Like I have a really small place, but just having a scissor on my, what do you call it? My desk here at my desk in the kitchen and also uh, in the bathroom just makes things so much easier. And just like, you don't have to think. And again, it just shows you how lazy I am. And Lisa in the Slack room <laughs> says, I have about six pairs of scissors for that exact reason. Unfortunately, over time, they've all ended up in the same drawer. Fail. <laughs> yeah, I think I could probably stand in the middle of your apartment and reach the scissors on both your desk and the kitchen at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's just so easy. You don't have to think. You're just being lazy and just do what you got to do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, next one here is from Gary Smith. Uh, so Gary actually was on the podcast a while back. We'll put a link to that that episode in, in the show notes. Uh, but Gary says that his closet is organized so that matching clothes are in groups, either by color or style, so that I can choose my wardrobe quickly based on where I am going the next day. This is brilliant. And this is actually almost one of the things that I put on my list, but I saw some of these other ones, so I figured I'd leave the, the clothing-related ones for later. But I actually pull out my clothes for the next day and put them in the bathroom so they're they're ready to go as soon as I hop out of the shower the night before. I find for whatever reason that the day of I cannot make these decisions that Gary is talking about, but does this go with this or does this look good? When I wake up, it is so hard for me to, to think that way. And I have literally been in my closet for like 20 minutes trying to find something to wear, which I know is like a complete waste of time. So doing it at night the day before is great, but Gary's got a little bit different aversion, different version of that where he's got things kind of coordinated already so he knows if I pick something from this pile and I pick something from that pile that they're going to go together. Yeah, that's really smart. I've been trying to figure something like this out. So my closet has color coordination. So for example, I have a lot of white t-shirts that are all the same. So they're either a v-neck or just a, a crew neck. And uh, they're in one corner and then I have the blacks and then the grays and there's like a little gradient that you, that you see on one side. And th these are all just t-shirts and shirts. And then everything else is like pants, you know, uh, trousers, jeans and, and other shirts. But those, those are then color coordinated based on just like the rainbow colors in that way. Um, but even then, when I step into my closet, I still have to pick something every single morning from this place, from that place to this place. And it's like, there's still a little bit of thinking involved. So I have considered buying a separate like rack almost or like a clothing rack that I just put somewhere else. And then every Sunday night, just pick my outfits for the upcoming week. And I believe somebody on Slack did this. Um, I forgot who it was, or maybe somebody posted it on the forum that they do this. And I thought, oh, that's really smart. I, I could totally copy that and do the same thing where if I just Sunday night, that's when I do most of my preparation anyway, could have a clothing rack figured out for the upcoming days, then that would be super ideal. And that's something I'm going to try out. I like that idea. And for everybody who's listening to this and thinking that this is completely ridiculous and that we really are hashtag first world problems here, if you study the people who are really super successful, a lot of them wear the exact same thing every day just so that they don't have to think about this stuff. The Steve Jobs, the Mark Zuckerbergs, uh, they they recognize that you can only make so many decisions in a day. And so they try to set themselves up for success by not having to make decisions that don't really mean anything, which in their particular instance, you know, they don't really care what they wear to work. Yeah. Lisa is saying in the Slack room, I choose all my clothes for the upcoming week on Sunday. I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. That was Lisa. So kudos to Lisa for doing that because I'm totally stealing that, including shoes and jewelry. She says, <laughs> So next up, we have kind of related to that. And as you can tell, like wardrobe is kind of a big thing uh, because one is just unnecessary decisions that you can avoid. But uh, Lisa 
Adams, she actually simplified it even further. She said, my wardrobe colors are two neutrals and one or two accent colors that flip with the seasons. And everything just works together. And then she actually referenced this resource called MrsSmartyPants.com. So we're going to put a link in the show notes for that. And I had a look at the site and basically this woman kind of figured out a clothing system almost where if you just have a wardrobe of mostly neutrals and then one or two kind of like colors that you just like flip in between when it comes to like pants and and, and tops and, and, and in between um, and rotate that, you'll have pretty much m- most of the outfits you need to just you know go about your day and just focus on things that actually matter. So uh, what's, what's funny is when I first read the website, the URL is like Miss US Smarty Pants or something, but then I figured out, oh, it's Mrs. Smarty Pants. So um, <laughs> we'll make sure to have a link in the show notes so you don't uh, misspell it like I did. <laughs> nice. Uh, next one here is Mike P, which is another clothing related one. He says, when I find and purchase clothes with a good fit, I take a photo with an Evernote that shows the make, the model and the size. Next time I visit the shop, I do not have to think or guess. I just consult Evernote to find out what the perfect model and size was. And this is a great idea. And it has so many implications besides just the clothes that you think fit you really well. This, in my opinion, is the perfect example of reference material. When most people, I shouldn't say when most people, when a lot of people think of reference material, they think of like the tax documents and the important papers and everything associated with a particular project that they might need to reference at some point. But in my experience, this is the type of stuff where if you send this to Evernote or Devon Think or whatever you happen to use as your reference file and you can get the, you can get in there and you can find this sort of stuff, this is the thing that really pays off Uh, large dividends. Like if you are able to pull this up next time you are at the store and you're thinking to yourself, what was that shirt or that pair of pants that I bought? And what was the the, the perfect size? Uh, And you don't have to pass, you you don't have to leave there, go home, figure it out again, because you've got that captured somewhere and you can, you can dig it up real easily when you're, when you're at the place and you're in the moment, then that is kind of like the tipping point in my opinion for how people really buy into the reference files that they're building. Uh, And it can really, if you, if you have even one experience like this, and maybe it's not the clothing sizes, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's the, the manual for something that you, you, downloaded the PDF and you threw it in Evernote and then you you need to reference that at some point. You don't have to dig through the filing cabinet drawer because you've got it in Evernote. But just having one of those experiences, that's typically the the thing that really makes the reference file click for a lot of people. Yeah, there's, this is an example of how you can use it in so many different ways. And like you said, Mike, you just don't need it for just the one-off documents you need once a year, like your taxes or something. But you know, for day-to-day stuff, this is super simple and I actually take it up a notch even further <laughs> because one, I, I like to shop at like certain clothing brands and uh, buy certain shoes of particular brands and stuff like that. But then every single designer brand has their own sizing. So for example, Gucci has like a different type of shoes for different, for their own sizing versus Louis Vuitton has their own sizing and stuff and they're ready to wear or like their, their clothing and stuff is always different in sizes as well. So I actually have in Evernote my shoe size for the different stores as well. So for example, I know my shoe size in Gucci. I know my shoe size in Saint Laurent. I know my shoe size in Louis Vuitton. And so when I go to these stores, I know exactly what kind of shoe size I need. And so by the time they ask me like, what kind of shoe size do you want? Um, I'll just look it up and Evernote real quick. Like, oh, this is my shoe size in your brand. And so whenever I go abroad or travel somewhere, or if I want to order stuff online, I have this reference file that I can always go back to. So I even have it specifically for stores because as soon as you start buying like designer clothing and stuff like that, like they all have their own sizing, whether it's t-shirts, suits, shoes. It's, it's so frustrating because it's never universal. So if you're a size 10 in shoes or let's say 43 European size, that doesn't mean anything. It really differs per brand. So I even have it per store figured out. So when Mike posted that, I was like, oh, that is really smart because I do the same thing. But I even go deeper and just do it for stores specifically. I don't wear as fancy as shoes as you do, I think, (laughs) but I really like the idea of knowing what size you have in a particular brand and not having to go to the store. I had to go buy new running shoes the other day and I had to try on a whole bunch of different shoes because like you said, they all are going to fit a little bit differently. And especially for running shoes, 
Like you don't want something that feels a little bit weird because after you, after you run for a little bit, your feet are just really going to hurt. Uh, but I hated every second of that experience. And if I could make it so I'd never have to do that again, that would be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And now it, it just actually, it just reminded me, I should take that even a step further now, because now I can just go to Nicole and say, Hey, Nicole, here's a list. Buy me a pair of shoes that is black. And here's the list of all my sizes. Go, go find me a pair of shoes and order it for me. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm always looking for ways to make things even more efficient. That would be the next step. Is it's just not even me picking out the shoes. It's just somebody else saying, okay, here you go, Tan. Just wear this. That would be so awesome. <laughs> nice. Speaking of people picking things out for you, <laughs> the next one here is from Katie. Uh, she mentions that I order pre-prepared meals. Yes, it costs more. Yes, it's lazy. But I have healthy, nutritious, and portioned meals that require no effort on my part. And I get a variety of meals that are far tastier than anything that I could cook. Uh, this is one of those things that I really am intrigued by the idea. Uh, I think probably having a family of six, soon to be seven at home, makes this cost prohibitive for me at the moment. <laughs> uh, but I think that this is a really approachable idea, especially if you are living by yourself, because what you really need to figure out is what is your time actually worth? And if you're able to delegate that to somebody else and you don't have to make those decisions, especially if you're not, you know, if you, if you don't have any culinary training or you don't really like to cook or and Katie, you know, Katie mentioned that the, the, meals that she gets are far tastier than anything that, that she could cook. So there's, there's an upgrade in quality there as well. Like that's, that's going to be worth something. Yes, you could do this by yourself, but recognizing the things that you could do versus the things that you should do, that's going to be important. And it's all going to contribute to the number of decisions that you want to make for me to sit down and cook all of those meals. That would be really stressful. And that would contribute greatly to those 35,000 decisions that I have to, that the average person makes in any given day. And we've got a podcast specifically on that topic. We'll put the link to that in the, the show notes. But I think that this is, this is absolutely a brilliant idea. And Katie, you should not feel bad because it costs more or because you think that you're lazy because you do this. I think that this is neither of those things. I think this is, this is a, a decision that somebody who has identified what's the best use of their time would make. Oh man, if I had to cook all that stuff, there would be a lot of food poisoning involved. So I, I think it's a, <laughs> a good call, Katie, that you do this. And and I actually do this myself. So meaning I don't cook at home whatsoever. I have never touched my stove in the last six months probably uh, because I always had a meal delivery service deliver my meals. Um, and I've been doing that for the last, I want to say 18 months or so. So I've, dude, I, I literally do not cook at home whatsoever. And... Only recently, I've really tried to step it up a notch even more where sometimes I would still eat out uh, sometimes, but now I have Nicole, my executive assistant, help me out where, so I'm, I'm working with a personal trainer right now and he tells me exactly how much I need to eat every single day. Here's how many grams of protein, how many grams of fat, how many grams of carbs. And so I'm actually building the system now with Nicole where she's ordering all my food every single day and she calculates for me what I need to eat and how much and at what time. So now she's putting on my calendar, hey, you need to eat these meals at this time. And so it's now completely outsourced and fully on my calendar where I literally don't have to think other than when the calendar item pops up, I just look at, okay, what are the meals I need to eat? And then I just pull it out of my fridge and heat it up or just eat it chilled and then I'm good to go. So there's literally no thinking, no cleaning because they come in pre-packed boxes already. So when I'm done eating, I just throw it away. And the only thing I really have to wash off are like the utensils. And so it has saved me so much time. And I literally do zero thinking when it comes to food now. And I, I just, it's so hard to explain, but I want to write a blog post about this in more detail at some point and really share this whole system because uh, it's still like, we're still tweaking it. But I literally do like nothing when it comes to my food now. And it's it's so freeing. I, I just don't know how to describe it, but it's so freeing just not to think about food. And if I were you, Mike, I would try to find somebody or, you know, even better, have Nicole help you find somebody that can do all the cooking for you, maybe like twice a week or something. And it wouldn't be even that expensive, I think, if you pay for maybe the recipes and like for the for the food itself and somebody else does the cooking. Um, I think that could be totally time efficient and cost efficient as well. 
That's not a bad idea. I may may have to to look into that. I know that there are services like Blue Rapin and stuff that they will actually deliver, but the the places that deliver like the pre-prepared meals typically do not uh, deliver to to my area. I live in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not not uh, Austin, Texas. <laughs> so the next step here is by this guy named Reginald, and I hope I pronounced it correctly. And so his tip is to train Google now. So when you say, okay, Google, via voice to automate all the things he wants to have done. So it's really there to save him time and just free up, you know, mental space. So if you're unfamiliar, Google now is like kind of like the Siri of of Google or the Amazon Echo of Google. Um, So that, that little engine that they built. And so, for example, things that Reginald will do is like making a quick note and sending it automatically to a particular inbox in Evernote so he never has to touch his phone. You can just say, okay, Google, and then blurt it out and just make a note of it and just put it in Evernote. Or um, whenever he's like going to work or leaving work or going home or leaving home, um, he can say, hey, whenever I leave home, remind me of X or whenever I arrive at this location, remind me of X. So it could be really useful for like an oil change or like stuff he needs to buy somewhere. And um, it's just like genius. And I used to use, I used to do this with OmniFocus geo, geolocation reminders as well. Uh, but now with like all these automated voice recognition systems, that makes things even easier. So just training like your devices with your voice that way is super powerful. And I've noticed this myself. And I, kind of feel like I'm underutilizing Amazon Echo in a lot of ways. I, I kind of use it, but seeing what he posted on there on the forums, I was like, oh, I could probably take, a, take it up a notch. <laughs> you have to revise that blog post that you did. <laughs> yeah, it's going to need a 2.0 update at some point because uh, I've, I've introduced some new things and Alexa is also new, learning new skills every single week. So it's really cool that they bring out those updates. So for example, now with the Echo, I don't know if you've seen it with yours, but now, if you, um, if you have you ever seen that like yellow circle when it's blinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's when you know they have notifications popped up. So that's when I'll know like, oh, shipment is arriving today or something. So it's really convenient. Nice. Uh, one of the things that I know you can do with an Echo is you can actually add tasks directly to Todoist, which I think is such a great idea. And I just wish that Todoist actually offered start dates so you could filter which things are actually available to be worked on because their web API and the integrations that they have are so awesome. Mm. Yeah, that's the one thing I think Todoist is doing pretty well is like they have that API interface that allows a lot of developers to uh, to really modify and, and automate a lot of stuff. And a lot of other task managers don't really have that. So I think that's one big advantage that they have. Yeah, if you're listening to this to do as people, please add start dates. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a game changer for sure. You would add so many customers for sure. <laughs> uh, next one here is from Nate Lowry. And he says that productivity is finding the frustrations in life and focusing on eliminating them. Fix what bugs you. So this isn't a very specific tip, but it's a really great philosophy that you can apply to a lot of, a lot of different things. I think actually that if you were to summarize this episode, that is exactly it. You find what bugs you and then you, you you fix it. So it may be not being able to find a pair of scissors. It may not be able to plug in your iPhone when you're laying on your couch. <laughs> but figuring out what is what is bugging you and then fix it, uh, that's that's a really important philosophy. And uh, kind of the, the a great resource for learning more about this is this Two Second Lean podcast which we did with Paul Akers. Uh, we'll put the link to that in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, I th- also think that Brandon Wentland did a great post about reading to solve problems. And his approach to this is an, is an example of this, where uh, most people, if you were to ask them, do you, do you read as much as you want to? They would say, no, I wish, I could, I wish that I could read more. And Brandon's post uh, is all about letting the biggest problems that you're facing speed up your reading because you essentially select material that you know will solve the problem that you're facing. So if you're trying to figure out how to do something, then uh, find a book on that topic and you'll find that you're much more motivated to go through it 
because it's speaking directly to a pain point that you're having right at this moment. And there's another good episode that we have, and I believe it's episode 101 with Paul Akers, where he talks about the whole concept of two-second lean. And it's one of my favorite episodes on the podcast where he talks about like, literally what Nate just summarizes, fix what bugs you. And especially if it's something that's repeating and repetitive, uh, you want to really start digging into what is the root cause of this. And at Asian Efficiency, we always talk about the three times rule. If something happens three times or more, that means there's a, there is a systemic problem somewhere and you need to address the root cause and not just put a Band-Aid on it and just address the symptom, but really address what is generating this annoyance, this thing that bugs me every single time. And so listen to episode 101. And if you go to deproductivityshow.com slash 101, you'll listen to that episode by uh, Paul Akers that I highly recommend. The next one here uh, is by Lisa, and she actually posted this in the Slack channel as well. I told her that we were going to get to this because it was already on the list. (laughs) But she said that she plans the next week's menu a full week ahead, creating a grocery list as she goes keeping certain foods to certain days of the week. And she says, since I shop for groceries on Sunday, we have chicken on Monday, beef on Tuesday, using the most perishable items first, frozen fish on Wednesday, salads or tacos on Thursday, out to eat on Friday night, pizza on Saturday, breakfast for dinner on Sundays. This is the part I love about this. So she says, you would think this is repetitive, but I swear my family has never said a word about the repeating food days. I'm able to mix up recipes so I don't repeat meals much and have a lot of healthy options. I just know every day that I'm having a chicken meal on Monday and a beef meal on Tuesday, et cetera. And she says, basically, no one's caught on to this, which I think is hilarious, but also awesome. (laughs) That is so funny that they did not catch that at all. (laughs) Yeah. And I can tell you that uh, from planning meals with a family that there's a lot of other residual benefits that go along with this as well. So I've mentioned on the podcast, and I think also in the productive parenting presentation that we've done in the past, that a couple of my kids have been picky eaters. But as soon as we started creating the food schedule, and they knew that on Tuesday night, we were going to have whatever it was, they weren't going to have a fit because they knew that that was the option. You know, if they're going to (laughs) eat, they're going to eat what what mom has made. She's not going to be a a short order cook for everybody in the the family. Uh, And, you know, we're in the past, we would have to struggle just to get people to, to eat their food. The minute that we started writing it all down and they knew exactly what to expect, that basically ended. That's so interesting, but I, I can totally see that working. If you just know, what to expect? You just you can accept it way before it happens. I guess my kids are high fact finders too. <laughs> I was about to say, like, are they high fact finders? That sounds like a high fact finder. <laughs> they must be. So the last one we have here is by M Green twenty three, and he said he had a cure for binge watching Netflix. So like he said, like like many of us, I watch my shows at night, which makes me susceptible to binge watching due to my willpower being exhausted during the day. A little trick I taught myself years ago when I found it was possible to watch a whole season of 24 in one sitting. Yay, yay, 24, one of my favorite. Um, <laughs> four seasons, he did four seasons in one week. You're crazy. Um, I, I can not even do that much. But he said, stop the episode in the middle. I found it nearly impossible to just walk away from my iPad with a cliffhanger that I left at the end of an episode. But if you stop in the middle, you can totally be okay with it because usually there's a lull or a boring part somewhere in the middle. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, that is genius because if you get me hooked on 24 and it's one of my favorite TV shows ever, I've watched every single season multiple times. It's just those cliffhangers are so good. I've never seen, even Breaking Bad can't even tip it. Like 24's cliffhangers are really, really, really good. And so every time I get to the end, I just have to watch the next episode. I just cannot stop and think like, or, or go to bed. I, I just can't. So when I saw it, I, I wish I knew this many years ago because it would save me a lot of time. But uh, yes, I agree. Stopping in the middle when there's a lull it's really easy and you can always, when you resume, kind of like, you know, go back maybe one or two minutes and you'll be right where you need it to be. Yeah, that that is a really, really good strategy, especially for a show like 24, where you could, if you were to take the first five minutes and the last five minutes of every episode and then just string those all together, you would probably catch all of the major plot points. <laughs> uh, but I've, I have a feeling that that's not the only TV show that that's that way. <laughs> oh, I never thought about that, but... I should try that 
to see that just for entertainment purposes, if that's the case, because I just love that TV show. I could watch it literally five times in a row and not feel like I get bored or anything. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one that I, I used to be into. I haven't watched it now in quite a while, but uh, I definitely found myself in that <laughs> the same situation, binge watching 24. Uh, a bonus one that we've got here from the, the, the Slack channel is from John. Uh, he mentions that caffeine naps are pretty killer. He drinks iced coffee or other caffeine, then takes a 20-minute nap or so as a quick fix. Not a good replacement for sufficient sleep, but better than nothing. I completely agree. I've done this before. I don't do it frequently, but uh, it definitely does does work, in my opinion. I've tried those a lot in the past, and they, they definitely work, especially if you are concerned about falling asleep, just taking a caffeine nap in that sense will prevent that from happening. So if you're somebody who, when they close their eyes and they're asleep in like two minutes and they're afraid that they're gonna sleep all the way, then a caffeine nap is the way to go. The inspiration for this week's episode came from a forum thread inside the dojo, our online productivity community where people shared way more weird productivity tips than we had time to share on this podcast. But in addition to providing productivity tips to help you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus, if you join the dojo, you'll also have the support of some of the smartest and most productive people on the planet who can help you learn from their own experiences so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. The dojo is currently closed to the public, but if you go to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo, you can not only get access to the community, but also a private video training library with new video modules every month and a private Slack team where you get direct access to myself, Tan, and the rest of the Asian Efficiency team. And the best part is that you can get all of this for just $1 for your first month. With membership to the Dojo, you also get exclusive software discounts on some of our favorite productivity apps like BusyCal, Hazel, and TextExpander. So if you want to join a community that can help you achieve your goals, check out the Dojo today by going to theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash dojo. Don't forget, you can find links to everything that we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 165. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next Productive Monday.